The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is The Jesse Kelly Show. It is! Jesse Kelly Show. Let's have some fun on a Friday and ask Dr. Jesse Friday. And it's a great day already today. Why? I don't know. We're alive, right? We're breathing. (laughs) And on top of ask Dr. Jesse questions on everything from shipping illegals to New York versus D.C., how deep the system is in the university system, what are we going to do post-World War III in high minimum wage. On top of all those things, we will address the Dianne Feinstein thing briefly here in just a moment. Melania Trump apparently needs a new prenup. Uh-oh, all that and so much more is coming up tonight on the world-famous Jesse Kelly Show. Let me address in the beginning something I'm not going to address, which is weird because... I'm actually addressing it by telling you I'm not going to address it. So it's a different, it's a different situation. I am aware that Dianne Feinstein, Senator from California died. I'm aware. I woke up to the same news. You woke up to Feinstein dead, 8,000 text messages, all my political buddies. You see, she's dead. You see, she's dead. The reason I'm not spending any time on it is I have a couple of fairly general rules that I follow. I'm not saying my rules are correct and your rules, if they're different, are wrong. I'm only saying this is how I live my life. 
So this is this is just me explaining it to you. You know, I don't do mass shooting radio. We've never done that. Whenever there's a mass shooting, we sit and cover it ad nauseum. Is it the guns? Of course, it's not the guns. Democrats are evil. We, we just don't really cover it that much. We pray for the families. We move on. When it comes to famous people of any kind, politicians, celebrities, musicians, whoever, athletes, whatever, famous people dying of any fame level. They can be bad guys, serial killers, whatever. In general, I have two rules when it comes to people dying for famous people. One, I don't usually celebrate it. Now, I'm not some saint here. There are times when someone has died and I've gotten that little side smile on my face and thought to myself, nice, the world is a better place today. Rotten hell, demon! Look, I'm not, I'm not a saint. I've had that thought before. I, usually, though, I don't celebrate when they die. But the second rule is I also don't publicly mourn their passing as if that person had any meaning to me or brought anything positive to my life whatsoever. I'm not going to sit here and play bells and whistles and cheer because Diane Feinstein died. That's not what I do. It's not, it's just not a rule I do, but I'm also not going to sit here and say, rest in peace. You lion of California. I can't believe it. Today is a solemn day. Why? I didn't care about Diane Feinstein yesterday when she was alive, and now I don't care about her dead corpse now that she's dead. Diane Feinstein meant nothing to me yesterday, and 24 hours later, now that she's done breathing, she still means nothing to me. So I'm moving on to other things that actually matter, allow us to move on uh, to things that do matter, like uh, New York is underwater. Um, praying for New York City right now. New York City's underwater, and there's a big problem that people aren't really seeing the pipes uh, uh, let me explain something quickly on flooding and then we'll get to all the other ask dr jesse questions and all the fun stuff i have lived in all these hurricanes and stuff like that so i know about flooding flooding is what you see on the surface but that's not where the major damage is really done right it's bad don't get me wrong i don't want you to have to replace your drywall and your couch but that's not where the super devastating damage is done. The super devastating damage is done underground that you can't see. All these pipes, water and sewer and storm sewer and all these pipes that go under us at all times that we don't think about. When you flood like this, it can destroy them. And when you're in New York City and you have neglected your sewer system and it's north of 150 years old, you might find yourself with a devastating crisis on your hands. And it's not like, look, in my neighborhood, if there's a sewer line that busts, unless it's directly under your home, it's not even a big deal. They're just going to bring out a backhoe, maybe tear up the sidewalk or the street a little bit and fix it in a day, patch up the street in half a day, call it good, done. In New York City, it's going to be a monumental deal. If all this flooding really is blowing out sewer lines, and I'm getting word that it is, and this is at a time when they're already broken by illegal immigration because of their sanctuary city policies, which leads me to this, our first Ask Dr. Jesse question. I mean, what else are we going to do? You know what? Before we get to the Ask Dr. Jesse thing, I might as well go off on this. Chris, get cut six ready, please. Mark Milley retired today. 
Mark Milley's a worthless piece of crap. I'm sure he's going to go be a multimillionaire working for a defense contractor like every other admiral and general in this army. But Mark Milley said something today and obviously took a little petty parting shot at Donald Trump. Here he was. We don't take an oath to a tribe. We don't take an oath to a religion. We don't take an oath to a king or a queen or to a tyrant or a dictator. And we don't take an oath to a wannabe dictator. We don't okay, take that, that's, that, that, that was obviously a, a shot at Trump. I am going to tell you, well, a brief little story, if you will. You want to do a little brief story with me? Have you ever heard of the general Mengistu, Mengistu Mariam? Mengistu Mariam? Don't worry, no, nobody's heard of him, really. He's from Ethiopia. He's still alive today. Uh, communist piece of trash. I'm not going to go into a long history of it, but he's just one of these various dictators in history. And did you know his communist militia, when they were busy killing, pick your number, 750,000, a million of their own countrymen, did you know that they would kill you? They'd just line you up and they'd shoot you in the face. And then they would go to the family of the person they just killed and they would charge them a tax if they wanted the body returned to them. And they called it a wasted bullet tax. That's one of a million stories I could fill you in right now on how dictators operate. Dictators. Mark Milley, and in fact, this goes way beyond Mark Milley. There's something that fascinates me about the left's relationship to Donald Trump. And I've got a little experiment for you before we move on. So we're not going to spend a bunch of time on this. I want to get to fun stuff. But there's something that fascinates me about it. I've got an experiment I want you to do for me. Forget about your friends on the right. This is not, if you have a DeSantis friend or something like that, it's not about them right now. This is about leftists. I'm talking about Democrats. You know somebody in your life who hates Donald Trump on the left. Again, on the left. I know it's primary season. Focus on the left right now. Ask them to lay out for you in detail why they hate Donald Trump. I've done this a million times. Uh, actually, the truth is I've probably done it 50 times. Any Democrat friend or, or acquaintance I get into, I ask in a very innocent way, and they can never, ever list it. And oftentimes what comes out of their mouths is actually what just came out of Mark Milley's mouth. A dictator is a dictator. He's a tyrant. He's a... And if you simply ask a follow-up question, why? What do you mean? What, what makes him a tyrant? What, what did he do that was tyrannical? You will immediately see them begin. You'll see their eyes start moving because you'll see their brains start scrambling. Remember, they're all just communist apparatchiks. They're all robots who've been plugged into the hive mind, and the hive mind gave them an updated programming telling them Trump's a dictator, but none of them, not one, can explain what makes him a dictator. Or if, they, or if they do, they'll attempt to do something that came along later in the game. They'll bring up something when you start pressing them. They'll say, well, what about, the, what about the call to Ukraine? But that was at the end of Trump's presidency. You hated him for four years. Why did you think he was a dictator before, before that call? Well, up, up, up. They can't answer the question. You see, the left and Donald Trump, their relationship, I find it to be absolutely fascinating. Because like every other part of communism, it's based entirely in a world of make-believe. 
Whether you're a Trump lover or hater, I don't care. But Trump, Trump is not a dictator. If anything, honestly, if I have a complaint about it, Trump is way too nice to these people. Sitting down with them for interviews all the time. No, I like Hillary now. We're not locking her up. No, no, let's work together. We were going to have a deal. Maybe he was trying to strike a deal with Andrew. Trump is willing to work with anybody. A dictator. You communists think Trump is a dictator? Do you own a history book? Mark Milley, do you understand... Do you understand what would have happened to you if Trump was a dictator or even a wannabe? Do you understand that he probably wouldn't have even had you tried? You announced publicly that you reached out to your Chinese counterpart and told them you were going to warn them if Donald Trump attacked beforehand. Any dictator in the history of mankind would have simply had you arrested and shot without trial, without a second of hesitation, without a second of hesitation. Trump gave you a medal on his last day in office instead of a bullet. And still these people believe he's a dictator. And there's a fascinating mentality here. We will discuss this mentality because it's going gonna, it's gonna to affect all of us going forward in a moment. This is probably a really good time to remind everyone that you should be training all the time with your weapon. And maybe you're saying, Jesse, how can I do that? Who has time? Who has the money? Jesse, the range costs so much money. Jesse, I don't have 20 minutes each way to drive. Jesse, I no, I understand. I'm the same way. Man, we've got, we had a pep rally last night. Tonight it's homecoming. Then it's uh, sports all weekend. I don't have, I don't have an hour to go to the range. I will practice this weekend because I have Mantis X. Mantis X attaches to my weapon and lets me practice with my weapon in the comfort of my home. I will take 10 minutes. 20 minutes this weekend, and I will be faster and deadlier on Monday than I am right now. Are you going to be? MantisX.com is where you go get one. All right? MantisX.com. We'll be back. You're listening to the Oracle. You're going to love this one. It's a scream, baby. The Jesse Kelly Show. It is the Jesse Kelly Show on an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. Going to get to these Ask Dr. Jesse questions. I can't wait to get to this one of shipping illegals to D.C. versus New York City. We'll get to that in a minute. But again, uh, you ask your Democrat friend, your leftist friend, ask them specifically why they dislike Trump. And inevitably, they will start talking about him as if he's a dictator or a tyrant. This Donald Trump... This is the Donald Trump. Mark Milley just gave. Well, here was Milley at his retirement ceremony, in case you missed it. He retired today. To a country. We don't take an oath to a tribe. We don't take an oath to a religion. We don't take an oath to a king or a queen or to a tyrant or a dictator. And we don't take an oath to a wannabe dictator. Yeah. A wannabe dictator. So this is the person your liberal Aunt Peggy thinks is a wannabe dictator? Should you have fired Fauci? So a lot of people ask me that question, and I did it right. Because if you do fire him, you're going to have a firestorm on the left again, as usual. And I didn't. Dictator Donald Trump didn't fire Fauci because his political opponents would have been mad at him. I bring this up because going forward, there's going to be a fascinating thing happening in this country. And this will be fascinating for all of us just to think about this, just to kind of game plan this out. I, I want more from the right. 
I want them stronger. I want them meaner. I want them more aggressive. I want them to go on offense. I want them to punish the vile communist scum for what they've done to this country. I want them to save my country for my sons and their sons after them. That's what I want from the right. I, I don't, I'm not saying I want a dictator, but I want somebody mean and vicious and uncaring at all about what his political opponents think of him. That's what I want. Now, that's probably what you want. Now, let's go to the communist mentality as it stands. Wrap your mind around this. The communists believe, they genuinely believe it to their core. You just heard Mark Milley. The communists genuinely believe they've already experienced that. They believe they have experienced some right-wing dictator tyrant who was just a monster to them. When you can make the argument, Trump was an adorable puppy dog to the left. These people have no idea what is coming. And this is why I have warned repeatedly that there will be a right-wing dictator of some kind eventually in this country. Because the right will not fight back. They won't fight back and they won't fight back and they won't fight back. They won't stand for anything. I'm scared of them. I'm scared of them. I don't want to get yelled at. I don't want to look mean. And you and me, we're sitting here screaming, do something. Stop these friggin' people. And they won't do it. So eventually we're going to go find our champion. And he's going to be nastier and meaner than these people ever thought possible. And I see it coming because history says it's going to come. We want the vacuum of leadership filled. It's not filled, and it's not filled, and it's not filled, and it's not filled, and eventually we're going to find somebody to fill it. You people aren't going to enjoy it all, and you think you've already experienced a, quote, dictator or wannabe dictator? You've experienced the puppy dog version. You have no idea what the Franco version is like. I saw an article yesterday from the Washington Post, some commie piece of trash. Philip Bump is his name put some article out there uh, complaining that the right was uh, besmirching the name of the communist Chinese party. You commies enjoy yourselves now. I really mean that. Enjoy yourselves now and live it up. Because there's going to come a time in this country where guys like Philip Bump are going to be placed in handcuffs and thrown in prison for an article like that. And you think you've already experienced a dictator? Pathetic. Don't worry, though. Don't worry at all. Don't you worry your little head about nothing. You will. I promise you, you will. It won't be tomorrow. It's not going to be this year. It's not going to be this election. So I go, yeah, Jesse, that's going to be 2024. Oh, shut up. No, it's not. But it's coming. It will come. Probably in my lifetime, I would guess. But it is coming. Chris said 2044. That's probably not ridiculous. It's coming. But hey, it's going to be hilarious when that day finally does come to look back at all the things they said about Trump back then. And it is a fascinating experiment. I really do want you to do it. And you can do it in a really non-confrontational way. You don't even have to argue. Ask your Democrat friend or family member or whatever. Hey, why, why don't you like Trump? And, and nail them down. Ask them for specifics. They can't seem to get it out. Or if they do get anything out, they'll get out something that was completely made up. Completely fabricated. And in their minds, they really did defeat a Nazi. They really did defeat some tyrant, some dictator. And these people have no idea what's coming. None. You. You don't have any idea what's coming either. 
When you get your my pillow percal sheets, you'll understand. When you finally wrap yourself in the percal sheets, which are on sale right now from my pillow, and you sleep like an itty bitty tiny baby that night, and every night afterwards, you will wake up every morning saying, Jesse, you are the best. I know that's what I say in the mornings. All you have to do to get this sale, remember, queen size sets normally $89.98. Right now, it's $35. All you have to do is go to mypillow.com. There's a gigantic radio listener special square there. You can't miss it. Beep. That's the sound I make when I hit it. I make my own sounds. Beep. Hit the radio listener special square. Use the promo code JESSE and get a couple sets of MyPillow per cow sheets. You need this in your life. MyPillow.com, promo code JESSE, or simply give them a call. They're wonderful on the phone. And anymore, maybe I'm getting old. I actually prefer that anymore, but give them a call. 800-845-0544. Just tell them Jesse told you to call. Go get your percal sheets from my pillow. All right? All right. It's time for Ask Dr. Jesse questions. Jesse, I heard you say Eric Adams and Cuomo and Kathy Hochul created a crack in the communist dike regarding New York City. Dropping off these foreign invaders en masse in D.C. is analogous to dropping the bomb on Hiroshima. He wants to take the illegals from New York City and instead take them to D.C. I like the idea. Here's why it won't work. Next. Fighting for your freedom every day. USA! USA! The Jesse Kelly Show. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. 
I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It is the Jesse Kelly Show reminding you, you can email me during the show, jesse at jessekellyshow.com. You know another reason it's going to be a good day today? I got a good sign this morning, a really good sign. Every now and then... I believe I'm not a big, you know, fruity hippie type. Oh, it's a sign. But every now and then something amazing will happen in my life. And I'll know that today's going to be a good day. Here's what happened. Get up this morning, super early. I go work out with my son. We get back, take him to school. I get a shower. I get out of the shower. I'm sitting there glistening like a Greek God with my shirt off. And I look down and I see, oh, wow, I got to cut my fingernails. Now, I didn't have to cut them. I have this weird obsession with having short fingernails. I just think dudes with long fingernails are really disgusting. So I just decided to go cut them. Shirt off. Sorry, ladies. Calm down. So I grab what? What, Chris? So I grab my nail clippers. I know you're visualizing it, Chris. I want everyone to visualize it to make everyone's day better. All right. So I'm sitting there. Only boxer shorts on. And I grab my nail clippers and I walk out back because I'm going to clip my fingernails. And I clip my fingernails, and I'm clipping, and I'm clipping, and I'm clipping, and beep, I get this clip, and one of the fingernails goes right into my belly button. Now, one, I got it out. I don't want to brag, but I got it out. Two, tell me that's not an amazing sign. How many times could I clip my fingernails shirtless and ever hope to land one of the fingernails perfectly in my belly button? That's almost impossible, yet I did the impossible today. So don't tell me it's not going to be a good day. What, Chris? No, it's nothing to do with a bird pooping on your head for good luck. No, no, it's not disgusting either. It's a fingernail, okay? I took it out. I did think about leaving it in there because it was such a good sign, and then I thought, well, that might cause an infection or something like that. So I took it out, but I don't know what you're... I don't know why you're not seeing how great this is. Anyway, back to what the guy was saying. It's Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. The guy doesn't want illegals shipped to New York City anymore. He thinks it'd be a better idea to ship them to D.C. Just kind of just collapse that place. Well, two things. One, I owe you a history story. And actually, I'm going to give you a little history story on kind of illegal immigration. I forgot to give it to you yesterday. But two, it wouldn't work sending the illegals to D.C. for this reason. 
The reason illegal immigration is causing cracks in the communist machine in New York is this. Eric Adams, he needs the backing of New Yorkers to stay in power. Kathy Hochul needs the backing of New Yorkers to stay in power. The politicians who live in Washington, D.C., I'm talking about the federal politicians, House, Senate, Presidency. They don't need the vote of a single D.C. resident to stay in power. So if you make D.C. an even bigger dump than it already is, it won't affect them at all because these people all have security and they all, let me explain D.C. because in case you haven't been there, let me explain D.C. There's Capitol Hill where all the, obviously the Capitol is and it's, it's that area where White House and monuments, there's the, there's the white marble portion of D.C. which you see on TV and then there's everything outside of that. The white marble portion of D.C. is for the most part extremely safe because there's cops and cameras everywhere. It's all, all these murders and stuff like that. For the most part, they happen outside of that. These politicians don't care if all the peasants are dying in the hinterlands. That's not going to stress any of these people out at all. You flood D.C. with illegals wouldn't affect them even a little bit. That's why it won't work. Speaking of illegal immigration, there is... There's sometimes it's hard for people to understand why it's so bad for a country because it is. It will destroy this nation. That's why they're doing it. It, it. It's one of those things that's very frustrating for people on the right because without the presidency, it probably can't be stopped. What they're doing to the country immigration-wise can't be stopped. I know the House of Representatives right now, they're trying to get all this border security funding and the appropriations bill. The Biden administration's not going to go through with any of that, even if you put it through. The border will remain open because the communists behind Joe Biden trying to tear down America want it open. It's not another way around. Anyway, but why is it so bad? Well, because the most devastating, the most devastating kind of sacking, like, you know, sacking a city, the most dev devastating kind of sacking comes with occupation and time. And here's what I mean. You can look at a million different historical examples of a city. It's being surrounded. It's placed under siege. And then the invaders eventually come over and through the walls and they kill and rape everyone and take everyone away as a slave and, and, and all those other things. But you know what's fascinating historically? I have always found this to be endlessly fascinating, especially with a place like Babylon. Very evil place, but a place like Babylon that was always getting sacked, always getting destroyed. And then it was always back, like the next year. It was always some major metropolitan. I always thought it was fascinating. How in the world did they come back so fast? You just were talking about how you destroyed the place and you wrecked it and everyone's dead and the buildings are all gone. And then the next year, it's, hey, Babylon, king of the world. Well, here's why. You can go in with speed as a conqueror. And sure, you can chop a lot of people's heads off. And you can steal a lot of things. You can hurt a lot of people, but once you take off, once you leave, if you're only there for a week, that's normally, that's oftentimes how it went. They'd sack a city. They'd let their men go for two, three days, four days, go enjoy yourself. And then they'd rein them in and say, okay, we got to go now. Let's wrap all this up. Get out of here. Once you leave, yes, the city is a smoking, smoldering ruin, but you've left enough things in place because you weren't there long enough. You've left enough of the infrastructure in place, enough of the guts, the bones in place, where people will just simply suck back into the city. Remember, they left it because it was under siege. They'll just suck back in, 
and they'll have a huge leg up on rebuilding it. But occupation is different. Occupation is extremely different. Have you ever heard of Vijayanagra? Vijayanagra, Chris, why don't you grow up, please? Vijayanagra is the name of an empire. It's really, really amazing to me that not many people have even heard of Vijayanagra, but it's because of it's because it's India. And India is one of those things people, myself included, especially people in the West, we find India to be so complex, so different. Uh, the music's different. The food's different. It's a complicated society. The religions, plural, are different. And it's huge. We just find it to be confusing. And so we don't really dig into India much or care that much about it. But it's an extremely fascinating place with all kinds of history and stuff there. And they had this hugely powerful medieval empire. Honestly, probably you could probably argue one of the great empires in history called Vijayanagara. Vijayanagara was a huge Hindu empire. It was a Hindu empire, all right? And remember this, Hindu, it's a, a combination. If you dig into India at all, and I just have the surface level understanding of this stuff as I read through things and stuff like that, it's a combination of all kinds of older kind of tribal religions here that it, it eventually it eventually came up with Hindu. All right, so you have this, this empire. And in case you're wondering what time frame, just think of the year 1500. 1500, that's not exact. They were around in 1500, but I hate all these these history nerds who give you these details that kill the story. I was in the year 1512 to 1574. Just tell me what time period. 1500, all right? There's this Hindu empire called Vijayanagara, and they were led by an emperor. Obviously, it's an empire. It's led by an emperor. They're led by an emperor. And for the longest time, things are going unbelievably well. And this empire really commanded the southern half of India. Split India in two, draw a line from east to west. The southern half was really this Vijayanagara empire. And because of their location and because of all the spices and things they have in India that the rest of the world wants, this empire ended up being stupid wealthy. You read the stories about the city and the infrastructure and the gardens, and it just, it sounds like a jaw-dropping place. European writers, I mean, guys from Europe would show up in Vijayanagara and they would write down, this is the most amazing place I've ever seen in my entire life. The Vijayanagara Empire. Now let's talk about how it eventually collapsed as it relates to illegal immigration. Hang on. The Jesse Kelly Show. On air and online at jessekellyshow.com. It is the Jesse Kelly Show on an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. We're going to talk about communism in the university system here in this California minimum wage and Ask Dr. Jesse questions, all kinds of things. Man, it's going to be such a great day today, but we're doing a little history thing because we were talking about illegal immigration in New York City and D.C. And, and we're talking essentially how much more devastating occupation is, an extended occupation is, than an actual sacking. All right, so we're, we're back to this empire, this Vijayanagara empire. 1500s, India. Hugely powerful empire, majorly wealthy. And obviously they're ruled by empires. And they are in a constant state of struggle with various Muslim nations that are around them. And the Muslim nations around them can never seem to organize and unify so they can take on Vijayanagara all at once. They're always divided. And Vijayanagara very smartly kept them divided. 
they would get involved in this conflict or that conflict, always keeping them fighting. Remember, divide and conquer. Very, very important. You see our politicians do it all the time here. That's why they have normal blue-collar people, white people, black people hating each other while the elites are busy pillaging this country. Anyway, setting that aside, they always kept them divided. But eventually, empires go this way. Our country's going this way as well. Remember, countries don't last forever. The emperor's situation started to rot, and it started to get corrupt and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And eventually, you find yourself with an emperor who's not exactly what you want. And I need to explain how fast this stuff happened. People were talking about the height of Vijayanagara's power 10, 20 years before the it ended. Ended. So anyway, Vijayanagara, they eventually find themselves in a war with not one of the Muslim nations around them, all of the Muslim nations around them. The emperor had grown so arrogant, so full of himself, he managed to make all the Muslim countries around them hate him more than they hated each other, and they all joined forces to fight against him. He says, no problem, I'll march my army out. I'll go beat up these Muslim, uh, the, this big Muslim army. I'll come back and we're all good to go. And on paper, it looked like that was probably something that was going to happen. It did not happen. He marches his army out for this huge battle, which we could go over, but I want, don't want to right now. He marches his army out for this huge battle and they lose. Now, this is bad. It's really bad. But it's also not empire ending. It's not the end of the world. They lost the battle. Why isn't it the end of the world? Well, remember, the history of the world is really the story of nations fighting these set-piece battles, and one guy loses, and then he pretty much just pays off the other guy, and they gives up some territory and takes some hostages or gives some hostages, and they call it good. That's how battle wars have been historically fought. And that's how they were all fought in this area as well. This nation fights this nation. This nation wins. They don't dominate, slaughter, genocide. Hey, no, you pay me a million dollars and uh, give me a thousand slaves and we'll call it good. Okay, good to go. Now, that's what should have happened here. But the army, the army with the emperor, the losing army, begins to march back into Vijayanagara. And they're marching back into Vijayanagara with the Muslim army behind them coming for them. They're coming for Vijayanagara. Now, why is the Muslim army behind them coming for them? Because they're going to show up at the city and they're going to demand a gigantic payment for the butt kicking they just gave you under threat. And normally they would have received the gigantic payment and they would have gone back to their country and everything would have been fine. Except the emperor's, the emperor and his brother of Vijayanagara had a different idea this time. They showed back up in the city. And because they were a city, they were an empire now where their leaders didn't love the country. Not that that sounds familiar, but because their emperors didn't, their emperor didn't love the country. They went down to the treasury and they looted it. They loaded it all up, the emperor and his brother. And they simply took off. They left all the residents of this mega metropolis defenseless and unable to pay back these Muslim invaders. The Muslim army, they get told, uh, by the way, that huge payment you're looking for because of the battle you won? Mm. <clears throat> yeah, we don't have any money. And the Muslims said, I'm sorry, what? It was a sultan. He said, you, I'm sorry, what did you say? 
and in they came. But you see, this is way worse than a normal sacking. They didn't storm into Vijayanagara. That was actually the name of the city itself. They didn't storm into it and rape and pillage and leave in a couple days. You see, they wanted their money. And so they occupied it. Them and their entire army, they moved into the city for six months. And for six months, a foreign occupying power looted and pillaged this ancient megacity and miles around the city, supposedly for leagues, around miles and miles and miles around the city. It was just a wasteland, a wasteland occupied for six months. Eventually, the army packed up, took off. Vijayanagara never returned. The city streets that were famous around the world were eventually full of tigers and banana trees. Not making that up. It just went away. Illegal immigration is probably the issue of this nation right now because we're filling up the country with occupiers who are only here to pillage it and they're here and they're not here for a week. They come here and they stay here and it's the permanence of it that makes it truly devastating. It's why I get so disheartened about the right and how they talk about immigration. You can't even get Republicans to talk about the mass deportation of illegal immigrants. You can't save this country unless you deport millions of people. You know that, right? We have millions of people with no loyalty to this country who have occupied this country, bleeding the resources of this country dry with millions more on the way. Unless you have a plan and a system in place to remove them then there is no more country eventually. There's not one. An occupation is more devastating than a sacking. And what we have is 30, 40 million illegal immigrants occupying this country now. And it will, in the long run, leave us with nothing but banana groves and tigers. Well, probably mountain lions. We don't have tigers here. That'd be sweet if we did. Anyway, you know what I have? A pathetic dog. I forgot to mention this. I rarely yell at Fred. Today, he did something really bad. He ran out the front door. He never does that. And I yelled at him loud. Fred was devastated. Fred lives and dies for me. And he went and hid underneath the table, the coffee table. And he didn't leave until I left for work. The wife is now texting me pictures that she's comforting him. And she's blaming me for raising my voice with the dog, for disciplining the dog. This is what I have to deal with at the house. And I know I'm going to have to deal with this for years because we give Fred rough greens. Fred, Fred needs nutrition. Your dog needs nutrition. My dog needs nutrition. And your dog doesn't get it from dog food because there's no nutrition to be had in dog food. All of it. Doesn't matter your brand. Doesn't matter the type. It's all dead. That's why it's all brown. If it's brown, it's dead. Rough greens is a natural nutritional supplement. You pour on your dog's food. I pour it on Fred's food every day. And that fluffy idiot will probably still be under that coffee table 12 years from now, but he'll be alive because of Rough Greens. Go get a free Jumpstart trial bag. Roughgreens.com slash Jesse, or you can call them 833-33-MY-DOG. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets 
and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.